felt this in my heart as we were praying and talking about what we're doing with the album. The early church's hymnal was the book of Psalms, and there is 150 Psalms there. Our goal needs to be to write 150 songs. And here's the reason why I don't want to hear any other people's songs anymore. So many of these authors of these songs are backslidden now. They've turned their back on God. They're renouncing the Lord. They're not following Jesus. And then all, a lot of these other ones, that even that I like, they still don't come from strong movements of discipleship and evangelism. I want us as a church to learn the heart that God gave us through evangelism and discipleship to come out in our songs of worship. Not to mention on top of this, that this generation is now licensing their song, pay, making us pay to play them, all of this nonsense and garbage. And then they come to our city and they act like they're... Uh, Bon Jovi going to have some concert and then charge us to hear their tight pants, skinny, sissy pastor speak to us and they don't know how to preach. They don't know how to teach the word. All they do is talk about you being beautifully broken. The gospel enterprise means zero to me. If you're looking for a church that's going to give you more of the gospel enterprise, go find 10 others and go visit them. We're not into the gospel enterprise here. I'm not here to profit off of pimping you. I want us to sing songs from our heart. I want you to start learning them this week. Go back over previous services. Start putting up the lyrics on our page. Forgive us for dropping the ball. We are going to fix that. I have no idea why it wasn't being announced. It was already told in staff meetings to be announced. December 10th, we're going to give out 150 free t-shirts to all those who are the first ones to come. Because I want to start a new movement of worship and preaching and evangelism. I want to start a new movement where we're not dependent upon Babylonian ways in the church to do the things of God. Because it's an agitation to my spirit. It agitates me like Jesus in the temple, how we do things like Babylon in the church. Babylon is not our city. Metro Praise is not a city of praise for Babylon. It is a city of praise for New Jerusalem. New Jerusalem is a place where you worship for free. It's where the songs are free. It's where the preaching and the teaching is for free. It's where the, the heart of God is seen among the people. That's what Metro Praise stands for. It could just be city of praise, but, you know, trying to be a little cool. And I really felt the Lord gave it to me way back when. But it really just means city of praise, right out of the book of Jeremiah and Revelation, where the city of God meets with the people of God on the earth. Uh, and, and, and there's just nothing but praise, and there's nothing but exuberance and excitement to be with God. That's what this place should be for you every week when you come. So praise is in our name because a part of what we want to do is give God glory. We'll give God glory at funerals. We'll give God glory, um, you know, on the worst days and of the best of days. And we're going to sing songs from that. And that's always been such a part of my life. And I have some people that are already in other churches that are waiting for these songs because they've, they, they've been appreciative of what God has done here. And I can't wait to have some of their worship leaders maybe fly in and be on some of the tracks as well because I want to start a movement. I want to start a movement. I appreciate Kanye West and what he's doing, but son, I've been here a lot longer than you. We know what's going on. We know what's going on. I'm glad he's catching up. You've caught up to, you've caught up to Joe Lostein. We've been past Joe Lostein, okay? You understand what I'm saying? We understand Joe Lostein is not the answer for our nation. Joe Lostein doesn't even know how to call a sin. A sin won't even say the word sin from his pulpit. 
What kind of chicken is that when my Lord and Savior died naked on a cross for starting a revolution of love that talked about people's sin? If you love people, you tell them enough, you tell them about their sin. Jesus said, they don't hate you, but they hate me. They hate me because I expose their sin. I tell them about their sin. That's why they hate me. That's why they don't like me because I tell them about their sin, their wickedness. And so I appreciate Kanye West. Nothing against what he's doing with his music and all that. But we're going to get into the, the music field now. And we're not doing it necessarily to compete with Kanye. We're not doing it to compete with Elevation Jesus Culture. We're doing it, listen, to forward a revolution. To forward a movement that praises God through the music and through the worship and through what we believe in. And so I'm making some calls on the fly with you guys here because I'm grieved right now at the, the Christian Enterprise. I just went and, you know, saw my family and all of this. And Jared, I know you did an amazing job. And I just got to meet other Christians from other cities and everything else. And it's the same thing everywhere you go. And people, to me, right now are so hungry for the things of God. My dad's group last night was on the streets of Ocala where he had retired and now he does Ocala for Jesus and they had a tent out there and they were preaching and Gene uh, and Tisa, our missionaries who now live in Orlando, came out there to be with them and about four or five other churches came out there. But I was there last weekend when it wasn't 80 degrees. It was 80 yesterday. It was like 50 degrees the weekend I was there. And I was talking to some of the people that are with him that have been Christians for many, many, many years. And they were like, we have never done anything like this. You know, we were at the skate park and we were preaching. And they were just like, you know, what are you guys doing over there? Because we see that it's impacted your dad so much. He always talks about what you're doing over there. And it's not just because, you know, he's your father. He's, do he's talking about it because God has used it to set him on fire. He's, he's got a tent and he gives out water and he prays and he preaches and he's got speakers and it's Ocala for Jesus and we around here in these old parts, we ain't seen this before. You know, some of us did Gideon and we handed out Bibles, but they didn't tell us how to preach to the people. We just handed out Bibles. And I was talking to this man and I was just encouraging him. And at one point in the conversation, I said to him about this congregation and about the movement and about what God is doing, is I was telling him, I said, where I think the difference is, because you could still go soul winning, you know, maybe some Baptist churches still do that, etc. I said, but where the difference is for us is we put ourselves into the Bible narrative. And we saw ourselves as the disciples. We no longer see ourselves as the blind, the crippled. We no longer see ourselves as the woman with the issue of blood. We don't go through all the gospel stories and always find the most busted and disgusted person and say, that's you. Welcome to Sunday morning church. Will you be my example today? Because I'm going to now have you sick and bleeding over here. As I tell you some, some illustrated sermon for the 20th time about you being sick and bleeding and dying, I said, we saw ourselves as Jesus. Because Jesus said, that's what I came to do. I didn't come to replicate more sick women. I didn't come to replicate more blind men. He said he came to replicate who he was. He came to replicate more Christ-like people. And when you see yourself in the story, you can never unsee it. So now, Metro Praise, do you see yourself in the story? Do you see yourself doing the gospel work? Because we have a lot more to do. We have a lot more that's ahead of us. And today's sermon is going to tell us plain and simple, if you don't want to do that, you will be cast into hell. 
This passage we're about ready to get into in Matthew 25 is probably the number one passage that people abuse to teach salvation by works. Because if you do not know how to rightly take Jesus' words and apply them to the whole of Scripture, it is almost impossible to divorce your mindset from that. Because it is so clear if you don't do these things, you are not getting in. And so it, it can be used by cults to say you have to do, you have to do. But we have to put that on top of everything else Jesus has taught us but he is serious about the doing and we're going to learn about it right now are you ready let's give God a hand clap of praise thank you band love you let's all be seated amen welcome to a church that's never normal praise God Matthew chapter 25 are you ready Matthew chapter 25 verses 1 and onward I'm going to read all three of these parables. It's going to take a little bit of time to read them, but let us be open to what God says through them. Even if I can't preach every single verse, you will hear it read today. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish one took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. Somebody say a long time in coming. Thank you. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang, rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. This is Jesus talking. Here's his parable. We ought to take it serious. Then all the virgins woke up. Somebody say, get woke. Thank you. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. This is not socialism. You don't get my oil just because you don't have your oil. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourself. Say, get your own oil. There are certain things I can give you. There are certain things I cannot give you. I cannot give you my oil. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready, somebody say they were ready. Amen. Went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Somebody say, the door was shut. Amen. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Oh, but I thought he invited them. I thought they were a part of the, the wedding banquet. I thought they were already given a spot. But now he says, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. I can tell you for a fact, my friends, Jesus is coming back. I can also tell you that according to this scripture, he is coming back for his church, and his church is considered to be a pure virgin, to be pure and to be a virgin. And we are waiting for him to come and to marry us and to be a part of that. As I've shared with you before, we're the bride we're, and we're also the guests. We're both at the same time. That's how you have to read Jesus' parables. We are the bride and we're also the guests. So we see here that this is not talking about sinners. It doesn't say that there were some virgins and then some nasty old ratchet women on the side. It says 10 virgins, that's talking to you. Every single one of you here would be considered a virgin then in this story. What do we understand? You can mess up and not get in. 
I can mess up and not get in. Just because you are a virgin now and you have got some oil and you are here waiting for your precious Lord and Savior to come, that does not guarantee you that you're getting into that wedding banquet. And so this blows up this idea of once saved, always saved. And I was talking to one of my Calvinist friends who believes that, and I said, I'll be preaching on this, so I hope you're listening to it. This is clearly a message to the church. How does he go from knowing virgins to not knowing them? Because the knowing here is not about informational knowledge. It's intimate. Of course God knows all. Even when it says, many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied, done all of these wonderful works? He'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. I mean, doesn't he know Adolf Hitler? Doesn't he know all these false prophets? Doesn't he know Muhammad? So why does he say to them on judgment day, I don't know you? Doesn't he know who the virgins are? How did he forget their names? He's not coming to a strange city for the party. He's coming to his own city. He's coming to his own people. I knew the names of the bridegrooms in my wife's uh, uh, the bridal shower, and she knew the name of the bridegrooms. Are you all listening? How many know that's pretty, pretty normal? So how does Jesus not know them anymore? Because he said, if you would have known me, and you would have been in relationship with me, you would have had your oil right. You don't have your oil right, you don't know me. You don't know me, and I don't really know you. You're shucking and jiving. You're playing around. God is serious with us right here. The oil representing the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives. I cannot give you the Holy Spirit and his activity in your life. I can't give that to you, but you can receive it. You can receive it from God when you ask. The Bible says those who ask for the Holy Spirit will not be given a snake or something else. So you don't have to be afraid of getting the wrong spirit when you pray for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in the name of Jesus upon his people. He comes to regenerate us. He comes to empower us. He comes to give us giftings. He comes to make us enabled to do all that God has called us to do. Does the Holy Spirit run out? No. But we run out of the Holy Spirit's activity when we become lazy and unwilling to follow his leading. How do you keep the oil burning in your heart today via the Holy Spirit? By forever staying hungry and thirsty for God. By calling out to God to fill you. The Bible says don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that word be filled, that verb there is an ongoing action. Be filled and filled and filled and filled with the Holy Spirit. So today, you're a virgin like me in this parable. And you're waiting for Jesus like me. The question is, who's getting in? Those who remain faithful to the end. Now, as I said before, does that now mean you are saved by your good works? You're saved only by the good work that you do? No, we go back to the other teachings of Jesus and Matthew and understand that it's faith, it's trust, it's reliance upon Christ and his work for us that saves us. It's not the work of getting the oil, having the oil, and those things that is the, salvish, the, the, the salvific work. That is the ongoing work of salvation in our lives. It's what we do because we're saved. It's not what we do to be saved. In other words, imagine Jesus giving us a car. 
And then he gives you a gas card. And he says, this is a gift. The car is a gift and the gas card is a gift. All you got to do is just keep driving it. And if he asks you to meet him somewhere in New Mexico and says, drive there and meet me there, there's no excuse for you not having gas in the car that he gave you. Does everybody understand that? So yes, the gas and the car are given as a gift. We settle upon that as true Christians. We're not saved by our works. So those who try to use this to teach work salvation are outside of what Christ has taught. We are saved by grace through faith alone and Christ alone for the glory of God alone. That is true. But yet we partner with the grace of God. We are in collaboration, dancing with the divine to be obedient to what salvation is doing in us, working out our salvation as the Bible said, with fear and trembling, not working for my salvation, but working out my salvation. I'm not working for the car every time I fill it up, but I'm working out the car. I'm using the car every time I fill it up to drive. Do you understand the illustration? A parable within a parable. But how many know Jesus's parable does just fine on its own? You today, if you're born again, you're a virgin and you have the oil of the spirit in you. And you are, as I am, to keep that oil and that lamp burning, lest we get cast out of his presence and to be told he does not know us. If you are here today and you have not yet been born again, you are that ratchet person. You're not even in the story. You're you're dropping it like it's hot at the club. You're not a bridegroom waiting for your bride. That's not who you are. And I've been there too. The Bible calls us whoremongers, adulterers. We are like the woman caught in adultery. And who have we been cheating on Jesus with? The devil. We've been doing our own thing. And that's why we have to be born again, to become a virgin. But once you're a virgin, you don't just cast aside your walk with God and say, well, it's easy breezy, nice and easy. I'll see you in heaven. No, you continue. In the grace of God, you continue to fight the good fight of faith, guarding that which God has entrusted to you, remaining hungry for the things of God, seeking him, and always being in his presence. Can I hear an amen? And lastly, I want you to understand those virgins didn't say, we're leaving now to go twerk. We're leaving now to go pull some tricks. So in other words, their sin wasn't something everybody would look at and say, oh, this is Billie Eilish kind of sin. This is Ellen DeGenerate, I mean DeGeneres kind of sin, homosexuality. No, they had the sin of laziness. Therefore, You may be looking good on the outside today, but lazy on the inside, and you would be in trouble for this. Same thing with me. You could look at me and say, well, pastor looks like a pure virgin today waiting for God. He doesn't look like he's cheating on his wife, selling drugs, committing crimes. He's a great pastor and leader. Yes, but if in my heart I have made this a religion and no longer a relationship, my lamp has gone out. And when Jesus comes, I can't ask Rudy for more oil. And he won't feel sorry for me on that day if I don't get in. None of those virgins said, well, if my friend's not coming in, I'm not coming in. None of those virgins on that day said, well, yeah, I feel sorry for you. 
No, on that day, they went in rejoicing. I want everyone to get this. Judgment day is two emotions to the max. Those who are being rewarded and blessed will have the greatest joy of exuberance. Imagine the Cubs winning the World Series. Imagine if you were there or when the Sox won the World Series. You are there. I mean, the exuberance, the joy will be there. And then also, there will be losers there. There will be those pounding on the door, wishing that they can come in. Great sadness, great sorrow, great disappointment. I want to be on the side of those who rejoice when he comes. And that key, if you can scroll back up, it says, he was a long time in coming. Go back up a little bit more, please. A long time in coming. Does everybody see it? It's there in verse 5. Put it up there so they can see it, please. A long time in coming. How many know it's been 2,000 years since Jesus walked this earth? It's a long time in coming, but let's not give up. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Let's go to verse 14. We got to work for Jesus, y'all. Not only do we have to stay hungry and in his presence, but we also have to work for Jesus. Again, Jesus talking, telling us this parable. And remember how important this is. All red letters, all Jesus talking here. This is important to us to understand. Jesus said again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey, and then he comes back. The Bible says he went on his journey. Then the man who had received the five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gave five, gained five more bags. See also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. Somebody say double up. Come on. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Somebody say, after a long time. Thank you. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. Somebody say, double up. Thank you. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come share in your master's happiness. Somebody say, happy, happy, happy. Come on, it's a happy day, right? It's a happy day. It's a happy day for that man who doubled up. Let's keep going. The man who had two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. Somebody say, double up again. Thank you. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Everybody say happy, happy, happy. Amen. Then the one who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown, gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid. Does it say I went out and sold crack? Does it say I went out and lived a lesbian, homosexual, polyamorous life? Is that what it says? It says, I was just afraid. The other one, because of laziness and lack of forethought, lost everything. This one, because of fear. So I was afraid of what they were going to say about me in the media. I was afraid about what my job was going to say about me because they thought Chick-fil-A was my savior. And when Chick-fil-A compromised to the LGBTQ uh, agenda and stopped giving to those, those nonprofits like the Fellowship of Christian Athletes because of what they uh, the LGBT said, and just like they stopped giving to Salvation Army, I became afraid and stopped doing the right things as well. See, it says they got afraid of what people would think about or what they thought the master was going to do and all of these other silly things. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. So here is what belongs to you. 
So he gave back what he had. He didn't waste it. He at least didn't go out and spend it, right? He gave it back to him. Here, here it is. You gave me one, I give you back one. Now watch this. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Until I hear preachers call people in the church wicked and lazy, I'm not promoting none of them. Do you understand? If you are listening to online preachers and they don't use the word wicked or lazy when they talk to the church, they're not helping you, my friend. Your Lord and Savior said there are some people here that are not doubling up, that are not putting in work, and they need to be known they are wicked and they are lazy. So you knew that I harvest where I had not sown, gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well, then you should at least put my money on deposit with the lenders. Keep on going. With the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. This is not socialism where you rob from the rich to give to the poor. This is where you take from the poor and give it to the rich. Y'all don't like that? Y'all don't like Jesus. Y'all better get some money up in, your, up in your bank account. You better get some double. You better multiply. Otherwise, what you have will be taken from you. Y'all listening? You upset that all these people in our country have this money. Go out and get you some. Go out and become the next construction worker that owns the construction business. Where do you think Pepper came from? Where do you think these jobs came from? You're upset with Facebook. Go be the next social media. Start the next Snapchat. You see, you can sit here and complain and make excuses, or you can make moves. See, Jesus is not playing with them. He doesn't say, oh, well, I just feel sorry for you and the little bit of anxiety that you have. You didn't take enough Zoloft or Prozac or whatever else they're giving Xanax. You didn't take enough. I feel bad for you. No, he said, take that bag from that joker. Take that bag from him and give it to the one with 10. I love teaching my children this. They go out trick-or-treating. They all get their own bags. That's fair. You went out and got it. That's your own bag. You start doing bad, you don't get your candy. I give it to your sibling. Do you understand? What world are you living in? I teach my children young. Nobody's going to give you anything. No one's going to treat you nice on the job. They are killers. They are coming to win. And the Bible taught you to get out there and make it happen. The Bible doesn't say, well, we're just Christians. Let's just be poor. You got the value. A bag of gold was $600,000. The man who had been given five was the equivalent of three million dollars. The one who was given two, the equivalent of 1.2 million dollars. And Jesus says, that's little. He said, that's little. You're all playing with marbles here. I play with mountains. You're playing with servers and, and Facebook, you know, online stuff. Jesus plays with nations. He has nations to hand out. He has territories to give us to rule and to reign with him. He says, for whoever has will be given more. Well, the rich just keep getting richer. Yeah, we'll start being rich then. Are you listening? You don't like the rich getting richer, then what's your problem? You want the poor to be poor? Jesus said, whoever has more will be, whoever has will be given more. What does that teach you about economics? Go out and get it. Now, should you be charitable? Absolutely. But when it comes to winning, you win. When we were doing the Bible quiz with the other churches, uh, you know, this past Saturday, and our kids were playing, there was a sad, sorry little team. I'm glad they're there, but they need to get their attitude in check. So they're kind of just playing around, just looking at whatever they're looking at. And our kids killed it, just nailed it. I didn't tell them to let up one bit. They kept hitting that buzzer. At the end of the day, they had 10 points. Our team had 300 points. That's how you learn. That's life. Now go back home, kids, and come here serious. 
The moment my kids can play a game, I don't hold back anymore. I don't hold back anymore. I play the game. I play the video game. The moment they can do it, I, I go full force. Why? Because you got to teach them. This is how you win. We do dodgeball. My kids run and hide. That's how you win. That's how you learn. You don't, you're not old enough to play? Then don't play. Then we'll do the other thing. And you've seen us in our backyard. That's for realsies. You're not ready unless you're coming out here to play, to do the because that's how we're going to play. That's what Jesus said. Life is not going to hand you anything. You want more? Go get more. That's how it works in salvation. That's how it works in the economy. Buy the next company. Do, 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 do to them what you would want done to you if you were a suffering dog on the, on the farm. I was just in a farm, and I asked him, I said, what's the biggest thing you've killed? And he said, a horse when it was sick and it was dying. Listen to me. Some businesses need to be put out of their misery. Buy them up, get their equipment, do better jobs. Some cell phone companies need to be put out of their misery. Buy them up, take them out of business, and keep going. Are you listening? That's what it says. Whoever has more will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. So you want to stay poor? You want to stay poor? And let's put it to the spiritual now. You want to stay not knowing the things of God? Because that's how they were multiplying. That's how they were doing things, is they were studying. Come on, somebody. They started off only having a little bit of knowledge, but they started studying and getting more knowledge. They only started off with a few people in their life group, but they started winning more souls and building up that life group. They only started off with, you know, with a little bit of influence with the people around them, but as they grew, they doubled that influence. They, they worked hard. They won souls. They studied the scripture. They multiplied. That means if Jesus is using a money example for a kingdom example, then that means we should take learning these scriptures, multiplying the things of God more than the world does on their job. Because for them, they lose, they can find another job. You lose here. Now watch what happens, verse 30. And throw that worthless servant outside. You take that worthless servant, you grab him by the scruff of his neck. That's your Jesus talking. Does everybody see that's red letters? Come on, somebody say, that's my Jesus. Jesus. Amen. That's not Barney Jesus. That's not Oprah Winfrey's Jesus. That's the Jesus of the Bible. He said, you take that worthless servant and you throw them outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand now why cults will use this and say if you're not doing good works, you can't be saved? Do you understand that's why today at 8.30 in the morning I pass Jehovah Witnesses out there on the corner? Because their cult has told them, unless you work, you're not getting saved. And that's the, vi- the verses they use. What is the problem with that? They don't use all the other verses. Salvation, once again, is not something you earn. It doesn't say they earned their five bags of gold. Does it say they earned it? No, how'd they get the five bags of gold? It was given to them. But they had to work with it, didn't they? They had to work with it. It's by grace you have been saved. It's by grace that we get these precious gifts in life. It's by grace that I have the gift to speak. It's by grace you have the gift to mother or to father or to be on your job. It's the gift of God. You didn't earn that talent. But it's up to you to steward that talent, to use those resources that God has given you and me because we will be rewarded or condemned based on that. 
So are we saved by good works? No, we're saved unto good works. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, after it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, that you have been saved by grace through faith. This is not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. It goes on to say, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us beforehand. Can I hear an amen? You have been created to do the good works. You don't even have to go around asking God to create good works for you. All you have to do and I have to do is be obedient to find the good work he has for you. There's already opportunities in your life right now to do good works. And the Bible says if you don't, you go to hell. Isn't that the truth? Those who say they know God but don't keep his commandments according to 1 John are a liar. Those who truly love God, what are they going to do? They're going to bear fruit for God. In John 15, he says, those who abide in me will bear good fruit. And I'll prune them so they can continue to bear good fruit. If you do not abide in me, you will not bear fruit. You'll be cut off and thrown into the fire. That's what he says right there. And then here's the last one. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. At this point in Jesus' life, is there any mistake about who he is? I mean, he's just let the cat out the bag now. He is the son of God equal to the father because I have those scriptures there in Daniel and in Ezekiel and other places. According to the, only, uh, the Old Testament, only God judges. Only God can deal out the rewards and the punishment. Only God is able to do all these things. And now Jesus is saying, as the son of man, I will be doing all of those things on behalf of the father. And to understand that, to understand the Trinity, you go to the prophets like in Daniel and you begin to see the image of God being displayed in multiple persons, father, son, and spirit. But without the time to get into it, let's just take him at his word. He's coming in glory with the angels, and he's going to sit on his throne, and he's going to start judging us. The Bible says all nations will be gathered before him. He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And I show in those scriptures how the Son and the Father are speaking together as one. Because Jesus bears the title of King of what? Kings and Lord of what? Lords. Those are titles for God in the Old Testament. Jesus bears those same titles. How many King of Kings can you have? How many Lord of Lords can you have? So either the Father and Son are equal as God, or now there's two King of Kings, two Lord of Lords. And what's the Father and Son going to do, arm wrestle over it? The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit equally share the nature of God. The Son came from the Father, submitting to the Father, but that doesn't mean he's not in the same nature as the Father. My wife submits to me in the house, but that does not mean she has a different nature than me. We are both equally human. Our children submit to both of us as parents. That does not mean their nature is different than us. They have the same nature. The Father, Son, and the Spirit harmoniously work together, but they are all equally the one God, the one King of kings, the one Lord of lords. Can I hear an amen? And look forward to a debate with a Filipino cult called Iglesia Ni Cristo. They used to have a building across the street from Reese Park. I think they're getting smaller and dying. It's not there anymore. But they made the wrong decision. We should say the right decision of knocking on one of our elders' doors. And we'll be debating them soon. I just texted the guy this morning. Look forward to that. But they believe Jesus is not equal to the Father. He's not a God. He's only a man that God glorified. That is blasphemy. You can't worship a creature. A creature can't sit on the throne of God. And you don't call a creature the king of 
kings and the Lord of lords. And guess what? Jesus got a tattoo of it too. Because in Revelation 7.14, it is written across his thigh in Jesus' name. Come on. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you've done for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine you did for me. And I'll be putting it on our notes between the break because I didn't put it up there. But where did Jesus say in the book of Matthew, or what, well, we don't need a chapter and verse, but let's get the saying here. Who did Jesus say were his brothers and sisters in the book of Matthew? Who did he say? He said, those who do the will of God. Because his mother came to him, right, and said, hey, we need you. We want you to come home, do all this. And he said, tell my mother and my brothers and my sisters, these are my mother and my brothers and my sisters, whoever do the will of God. When you come back to the website, I'll have that note there in Matthew. Now look what he'll say to those on the left. Depart from me, you who are accursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. What did they do? Were they robbers? Were they thieves? Were they child molesters? No, it's now what they didn't do. Their laziness, their unworthiness. For I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, you did not look after me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. And when I needed clothes, you did not clothe me. Let's keep going. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Highlight verse 46, please. Then they will go away to what? Then they will go away to what? Eternal punishment, but the righteous to what? There it is. The three Lessons of Jesus in Matthew 25. Is there any confusion about what's going to happen on that day when Jesus comes back? You have to give the cults credit for one thing. They take this part serious. They are outside of the broader context of the scriptures. But you got to give it to those Roman Catholics, Jehovah Witnesses, and Mormons who all believe you are saved by faith plus works. You have to give it to them if they come from these passages because there is no wiggle room out of your works being judged on that day. The only problem is it never teaches you get the gold by your works or that you get to be a sheep by your works or that you somehow, as the first illustration gave us, that you somehow become a virgin by your works. You see, sheep becoming sheep is a gift of God. All of us are not born a sheep of God. All of us are born sinners. That's why we have to be born again. So becoming a sheep, doing good works, starts with Christ saving you by grace through faith. Becoming a virgin because all of us were born ratchet, not righteous, all of us becoming a virgin is Christ changing us and transforming us, not just literally, but also spiritually. But I thank God that I became a born-again virgin when I got saved, amen, and waited till I got married. 
And then lastly, we do not become servants of God deserving of 3 million, 1.2 million, or $600,000 worth of wealth. We don't get that by our good works. We get that by accepting our poverty and asking Christ to make us rich in him and asking us to take us out of the slavery of the devil, buying us back from that wicked slave master by his blood and making us a servant in his father's house. Does everybody understand that? So there's two ditches that we can fall into. The ditches over here that says, once I'm saved, I'm always saved. There's no real passage in the scripture where it says I can lose that salvation. No, there's three right here that tell you each one of these times. You can go from being a virgin that's coming to the party to being locked out. You can be a servant who's been entrusted with much to now being thrown out into outer darkness. And you can be a person that was once a sheep but neglects your duties. And now you're being cast with the goats into hell. Do not fall into the ditch that you think that salvation is now not a cooperation or a faith journey or a fight or something that you must participate in, but it's just something you passively go down the river with. That is not salvation. You work out salvation with fear and trembling. The Bible says you fight the good fight of faith. You guard. That's what's been entrusted to you. I could go through all these scriptures that talk about what you do with the Lord. But don't fall into the other ditch that says now because there's a responsibility, that now because you put in human effort, that somehow you have earned your salvation. You didn't earn the transformation to become a sheep. You did not earn the ability to become a virgin. You did not earn the ability to become a servant or have great wealth entrusted to you. That is all the gift of God. So where do we put our trust? Where do we follow the path of righteousness? It is we are saved by faith to do good works. And faith... Without the good works, as James says, is dead. So we live in the biblical faith. That's what a Hebrews 11 teaches us about those who had faith. It says, by faith, Abraham did. By faith, Moses did. By faith, this person did. And so we see faith causes us to move. Faith is not just a mental ascent like you believe in Abraham Lincoln. It's not just a mental ascent that you believe in something called the Bible or Jesus. Faith is an action like a belief towards movement. I believe my wife loves me, therefore I will marry her, commit my life to her. I believe it's good to be a parent and to take care of your children. Therefore, from that belief, I raise my children in the fear and admonition of God. That is our responsibility. In closing, let us consider this last phrase. Will you be a wise virgin, a faithful servant, and a charitable sheep when Jesus returns? Would you stand up with me now? Ben, would you come, please? If you believe this word is for you, would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Come on. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. Let's close out in prayer. Lord, we acknowledge today that you're coming back. How many believe Jesus is coming back? Altar workers, would you come, please? Come on, how many believe he's coming back? Jesus, I believe. Amen. Now tell him today you want to be a virgin. If you haven't been born again, Get born again right now. If you came here as a backslider, maybe you've already let your oil run out. And if Jesus would have come back now or before today, you wouldn't be ready. Ask him to forgive you right now to change you. Ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. In the name of Jesus. Father, we accept Jesus today. Help us to be faithful with what you've given us. So if you're not saved, get saved. If you've been saved, stay saved. This week, I pray you go over the parables and you guard your heart 
Because the world wants you to go from being a virgin, a righteous virgin, to a ratchet adulterer, to cheat on God with your sexuality, to treat on to ch- cheat on God with your life. Don't do that. Remain righteous. Remain holy. Guard your sexuality. Guard your purity. Don't be deceived by this world and its wickedness. Don't let the world drag you down in the mud with them. Hold on, dear saint. Hold on, virgin. Your bridegroom is coming. Keep your lamp burning. Even if others fall asleep and forget to keep theirs burning. Be a righteous multiplying shrewd servant of God today you don't have to be rich to be blessed we're blessed inwardly but outward blessings are a sign of hard work aren't they outward blessings are a sign of you being prosperous outward blessings are a part of the kingdom when you give your best to God don't settle for less today don't settle for less have dreams have visions should the Lord tarry a few more years, we're going to have to own more businesses. Chick-fil-A is already compromising. Come on, Nini's Deli. Come on, Chicken Pollo. Let's go. Let's fill in the gap. 